Good morning and welcome to Darby Creek. I'm Pastor Greg Berlisle. Thanks for joining us. Listen, I'm going to pray and uh, kick off the, uh, the worship time here, and uh, then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your, your help, and um, I, I just want to thank you, too, just for, for your provision, even, too, with the finances for the live stream equipment that helps us to continue live streaming when we are back here uh, in person, for those that aren't comfortable coming and to still feel connected, and it's really important to us that they feel connected regardless of their comfort level. And so, um, Lord, we also just want to pray for, um, you know, all the, um, the unrest that's going on in our country right now. Um, um, you know, just we, just we just pray, Lord, that, uh, that, that, you know, peace and justice would rule. Uh, we want both of those things. And so, Lord, we, we just pray that... Uh, uh, help us all to be uh, better understand one another and where we're coming from, uh, and, and as well as just to, to be able to do that in a, in a peaceful way, Lord. We just um, again we, we know that justice is important to you, and we and we want it to to be that way as well. And so, um, uh, Lord, we just commit this time to you. We pray for those that are that are ill. We pray for healing for them, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Hi, thanks for joining us this morning at Darby Creek Church. Uh, just uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and just uh, hope that you guys will stand up, just sing out, and let's worship together as uh, we sing some of these songs.
Deeper still as you call Deeper still into love Love, love, love You are a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am Who I am
Big thanks there to Calvin and Shelby and Caleb for leading us in worship. And uh, so we really, really appreciate their time doing that. I know, um, you know, we've, we're week seven now, I think, in our, our uh, journey through the book of Esther here. And um, so this time we're in chapter seven. And so if you have your Bible there handy, if you want to pull it out, that's great. I have the text for these verses in chapter seven here on the screen, but uh, any other verses I'm mentioning today, uh, you'll want to have your Bible handy or Bible app handy for those. So um, let's just go ahead and read this here, uh, Esther 7, verses 1 to 10. It's the whole chapter. It says, So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. As you recall, the last scene of the last chapter was basically um, guys from the palace were coming to pick up Haman to take him to this feast, uh, the second feast that Esther, Queen Esther had arranged, and she's going to ask the big question of uh, the, the uh, king said, you can ask anything you want up to half the kingdom. And so this is where we're at here in this feast in verse 1. Verse number 2, And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you, and what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, if it please the king, let my life be granted me, For my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. And so, if you've not been uh, joining us in previous weeks, um, Haman has. worked things out. Uh, he was so angry with a guy named Mordecai who would not pay him respect when he walked by the city gates. And uh, this upset Haman so much that he not only wanted to kill Mordecai, but he wanted to do away with all of Mordecai's people, which are the Jews. And so so this is what's happening, is that um, Haman has kind of worked his way into the king's uh, good graces, so to speak, and kind of tricked him into allowing him to make any law that he wanted that would uh, prevent people from showing disrespect to him. And so, uh, unbeknownst to the king, he's going to annihilate all of the um, all of the Jews. And the king's wife, Queen Esther, is a Jew, and it has not been told that until just now. And so, her request is, "Save me." And save my people. Verse 5. Then King Asuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? Who has dared to do this? So, of course, the king doesn't know who has ordered such a thing. And Esther said, A foe, an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. So, you know, on getting this news that basically uh, the second in command, Haman, had ordered such a thing and that his wife, you know, that uh, the king's wife, Queen Esther, was among this group of people that would be annihilated. And so uh, he steps out into the garden trying to figure out, you know, what to do. He's angry, obviously, and he's trying to figure out what to do. 
And so um, verse 8 says, And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, and the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence, in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Now, this is interesting, you know, so, you know, presumably Haman is basically just begging for his life, we know, uh, from Queen Esther, so he's, he's probably just falling at her feet. Uh, but as the king sees it as he comes in, he's like, are you going after my wife too? Um, and so at, at that, they, it says they covered Haman's face. Well, what's that all about? Well, in the Roman Empire, and here also, as we can see in the Persian Empire, if somebody was going to be given the sentence of death, they had their head covered. And so this is what's happening. Uh, death is coming to Haman now there. And so let's take a look here, verse 9. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on, uh, on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, uh, is standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. Now, so isn't that the irony here, right? The irony is that Mordecai had, uh, excuse me, uh, Haman had these gallows constructed. Uh, and his plan for the day uh, prior to this was to go into the king's presence and ask for Mordecai's life. And those very gallows that he had constructed for Mordecai are now the same gallows that he himself has been hung on. And so this is God's word. This may seem strange to you, these things that are happening here in Scripture. Um, But, you know, really, we have to take a step back and recognize and remember what's happening right? Um, God's people are in jeopardy in, in, from a human perspective, right? Um, you know, it, it appears that, you know, a law has been passed that, you know, is going to wipe off the face of the earth, God's people. And so that's not the case. God comes to the rescue, but he uses Queen Esther as well as God's working constantly behind the scenes uh, in this book of the Bible. So we constantly see the sovereignty of God uh, mixed in th- all throughout this particular book. Now, uh, this I probably would flunk out of preaching class for doing this, but I'm going to basically outline my sermon based on some questions I would ask each of the characters, main characters in this particular chapter, uh, because I think there's lessons that we can learn from them, uh, from what's going on, and questions that come to my mind. So if I were to go back and was to be alive in chapter 7, and I wanted to ask these three people three questions, um, what would they be? So the first one is a question I would ask the king. Do you know there is someone on a higher throne than you? I mean, this king just, um, you know, he, he was, you know, snap his fingers and people were killed. He was definitely... Um, we, we know, even just from history, sources in history beyond uh, outside of the Bible, tell us that this guy was a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, uh, and so he, he was obviously abused his power. You know, if you read the scriptures and you read uh, in the Psalms where it talks about the king and, and, and the king that God delights in, he's supposed to use his position to bless the people. 
right? Not to harm the people. And so my question to him would be as, do you realize that there's somebody higher that is to be answered to? Now, Haman, um, you know, the king, in this case, it was good that Haman was held accountable by the king. His plot was discovered by the king. Uh, Haman's secret was found out, and he paid for that. There was accountability for that. Um, And I just got to thinking that, you know, okay, well, some secrets might bypass the king. He may not know everything. He's not God. But nothing escapes God. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, my wife and I were uh, laugh about this situation that happened. I Sometimes uh, when I work, I'll go out to a coffee shop somewhere and and work and, 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 and so on. And so one day I went to this coffee shop in Clintonville. It's called Crimson Cup. And uh, I had my stuff spread out there, went up there. And, and this particular day, I got more than just a coffee. I got this nice big cinnamon roll. And so... Um, I had no sooner uh, rung that up and, you know, at the, at the cashier's uh, area there and came back, sit down where I had put my stuff. And I got a text from my wife and says, how's that cinnamon roll? And I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you know what's going on? Is there a camera on me somewhere? And, uh, and so she said something like, I always know what's happening. And I'm like, and so later we figured out that, you know, when I put my credit card in the, uh, in, in the, um, in the thing there at, at the uh, coffee shop that it was somehow tied to her phone and it sent her a text. And not only did she get the text, but she had an itemized list of what I had. And so I've learned from that point, there are no keeping secrets from my wife, uh, nor should there be. But um, So I was just thinking, you know, sometimes we think that we can get away with things, and we can sometimes, but when it comes to the Lord, we're going to be held accountable. And, uh, and Haman was held accountable by the king, but we all we'll have to give accountability to God someday. Um, I want to take a look at Ecclesiastes, um, and it's in uh, chapter 12. It's, it's actually the very last verse in that book. It's Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, the last two verses. Um, just reading it you, to you from the ESV Bible. It says, the end of the matter, uh, it says, the end of all the matter, all has, all has been heard, Basically, it means, you know, when everything's been said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Man, isn't that challenging? (laughs) Uh, It's sobering. It's sobering to know that everything that we say, everything that we do, uh, we're going to be held accountable for that. We will be held accountable for that. And so Haman, you know, he was held accountable for what he had done. And, uh, you know, so will we. Um, You know, in this story here that we just read, justice was eventually done. Uh, God's people were saved here. And, of course, now we don't have the reversal of the edict yet. You know, that's yet to come. But things are looking good for God's people here. Um, Now, one thing I want to say about, you know, just about um, justice and our uh, in terms of our, as people of God, um, because, you know, justice was done here in this particular case. Um, if you look in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and this is, this is an oft-quoted uh, verse, and, and um, I think certainly it's been quoted a lot more here recently with all that's going on with, um, 
you know, with, with, with the uh, battle against racism and so on, is that it says here, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And, and isn't that interesting there that we're told to, um, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? Um, and, and so God wants us to be about, uh, you know, pursuing justice. Now, because we're humans and because our entire society is made up of humans, justice is never perfectly done. Uh, sometimes justice is never achieved in a, a certain circumstance. And um, that could be really discouraging um, when you, you know, you want to see what's, uh, you want to see what's done. Uh, you want to see it, the right thing to be done and for justice to be done, regardless of what it is. Um, and whether something's done to you and you want justice for that, um, you know, it, but it's not always done perfectly here on this earth. Um, but what we need to realize, and I, I think, um, um, when I think about Haman's situation, up until this chapter, it could be easy to think, you know, gosh, this guy Haman, he's wicked, he's a jerk, he's so self-focused, and he's getting away with everything. You know, um, as, a, as a Jesus follower, you may be uh, going through life sometimes, and it seems like the people that have no regard, uh, or, you know, aren't loving others well, um, you know, they're, they don't care what God says about anything, and it seems like they're just getting away with it. And it seems like, man, they're, they seem to be, you know, they're, they're getting all the money, they're getting all the positions of power, you know, and, it, and sometimes it just makes you, I mean, you can just be honest, you know, somebody's like, why am I doing this anyway, you know? Um, try to follow the Lord. Uh, I mean, of course, it's the thing we need to do. He deserves uh, our worship and our lives. But I'm just saying, you know, this, let's get real. Uh, this, this happens. We wrestle with these things. And Whenever you do wrestle with that, with justice, uh, you know, being done and and it's just not getting done, but you want it to be done. But also just the fact that um, it seems like the Hamans of the world are getting away with it, and you're trying to live the righteous life, you know, by God's power, and you're not getting anywhere. It seems. Then you need to go to Psalm chapter seventy-three. Take a look at that real quick. Psalm seventy-three, twelve to seventeen. Okay, so again, Psalm 73 and verses 12 uh, to 17, it says, this is a psalm of Asaph, okay, this is not a Davidic psalm, but a psalm of Asaph, it says, behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches, Um, and it says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence, so you see Asaph, He's wrestling. He's saying, it seems like the bad guys are getting rich, and all of us guys who are trying to do the right thing and keep our hands clean seems to be in vain. Um, And then he goes on and he says, um, verse 14, For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. And then he says, If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Now skip to verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me... Uh, um, a wearisome task until until I went into the sanctuary of God. 
Then I discerned their end. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, you know, I'm wrestling with this concept of I'm trying to follow the Lord, keep my hands clean, do the right thing, but uh, from a human standpoint, I'm not advancing. I, you know, the bad guys seem to be getting away with it. Um, but what happened was, it says, when I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, in other words, when he went into worship with God's people, he got perspective. He got the perspective of what their true end was going to be. In other words, justice would eventually be done. And that's the thing we need to recognize as believers, as followers of Jesus. You know, justice is not always done perfectly here on this earth. Yes, it is something we should pursue. We should. We should. But however, um, it's not always going to be done right. But however, God will, uh, in the end, justice will be done uh, when the Lord comes back. And so we need to remember that. Uh, we need to remember that. So whenever you're struggling with that, you know, uh, it would be great if you could just camp out there in Psalm 73 for a little bit. Now, my other question I would have is for Esther. And it is, uh, do you realize you're an example of the twin truths of divine sovereignty and human responsibility? Now, that may seem like a strange question to ask, but, you know, this whole time we've been talking about in the book of Esther, the sovereignty of God, how he's working in ways, we, you know, we can't see, but yet, he, he, you know, it's, he's, he's like the unseen hand here in this book of the Bible. Um, but, you know what? God chooses to use who, uh, human agents, people, to accomplish his work, right? Uh, yes, could he do it on his own? Absolutely. He's all-powerful. If he wants something done, it could be done. But many times, God chooses to use human agents to accomplish his will. And, uh, you know, here we have Esther. This is her moment, and she is amazing. She has great courage, right, and great risk here. And she, you know, she, it, we see her wisdom, too, how she had, God gave her this plan, and she, she reasoned this out, how she was going to do this. And um, so, uh, so, yes, um, God could have accomplished all of this and saved his people without Esther's help, but he chose to use it, use her in this, right? That's the human responsibility part, was Esther speaking up, Esther stepping forward, just like Mordecai challenged her. You know, how do you know that you're not put here just for a time such as this, right? And so... Uh, this is, a, this is good to realize because so many times, right, um, Christians tend to lie on one side or the other of this whole thing. They say, they, they, they just totally camp out on God's sovereignty. Oh, I don't need to do that. God will do it, right? Well, <laughs> God wants you to do it. You know, that's the thing. We, we, you know, so many times, that's the way it is. We, you know, but then on the other hand, um, then, you know, uh, if, if you're kind of have, if you, you are kind of, uh, I don't know how best to say it, kind of like the activist, you want, you want to get things done. You want to do something about it, right? Um, and, uh, you know, well, yes, action's good, but we also need to seek the Lord, right? We need to pray about it. We need to, and so, but I think, you know, we need to live the balanced life in this. We need to pray about it and we need to do things about it, right? And, and uh, both, it's both and. Uh, and that's what we mean by the, true, the twin truths here of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Now, taking a look at Psalm 127, verse 1, how does that relate to this whole idea? So turn there in your Bible, we'll take a look. 
this this verse somebody gave us a door knocker years ago on our on our front door and this verse is they put it on there and his inscription it says unless the lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain you see it in both of those things don't you see divine sovereignty right the you know, in other words, if, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. In other words, you got you got to make sure God's in that. He's at the center of our activity. But at the same time, you need the builders to build the house, right? It's, it's both and. And so it's important for us to realize that, that, you know, we need to live our lives in such a way that we are including, and, and God is, you're including him in our decision-making and our prayers before we act and in our plans and so on. And, um, you know, the other verse that comes to mind here is this John fifteen five, where Jesus says to, he talks about abide, abide in him, right? And then he says there that apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we have to remember that. We have to remember that is we need to make sure we're abiding in Christ. We're walking closely with the Lord as we go about our, uh, our days, our lives, and so I just think Esther, that's the question I would ask her. I'm like, did you realize that all this was playing out, that God was using you in this way, and he was also working behind the scenes? So that's what I would ask. Now, the third question I would ask, you know, to Haman. Now, this may sound really strange, but is, are you ready to die? Um, I mean, that day, I don't think he had any clue, right? This was going to be his last day on earth. And uh, it's, just, it's just something that, um, you know, I'll just say this. I, I've done more funerals this last year than I care to do, and for various reasons. And um, another, um, it wasn't a close friend, but definitely uh, I, I met him years ago. John Draghi, he died of, of brain cancer here recently, and um, just, just within this last week, and that, uh, you know, he, uh, he trusted God through this whole thing, and he was ready. He was, he, he, he was ready. What is, and so what does it mean to be ready to die? Um, and the first thing you have to answer is, the question you have to answer is, uh, have you been made right with God? Have you been made right with God? This is, a, this is so important. This is the most important question. Um, now, what, I'd like to read this, uh, Romans 3 verses 20 to 26 in a different translation than I normally have up here. It's the New Living Translation. In using this translation, it's just going to help me um, to not have to explain a lot of words, because a lot of different words in here that require quite a bit of explanation if I use the ESV. And so just, you know, since I'm not really exegeting this particular passage, I just want to use this version. Listen to this. It's, it's the New Living Translation, Romans 3, verse 20 to 26. It says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Then it goes on to verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Again, this is all trying to answer this question. Have you been made right with God? You personally. It says, uh, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. You know what? (laughs) I was reminded of the thief on the cross. Remember Jesus when he's crucified, right? Between two thieves. And that one thief repented on the cross. And Jesus told him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, And I'm just thinking, you know, no matter who you are, If you believe on Jesus, if you repent of your sin, you can be made right with God. Let's read on here. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of for our sins. You see that, you know, Christ died in our place. Maybe you've heard that before. He died for our sins. That's why he was crucified on the cross. Um, The wrath of God was placed upon him for our sins, not his, because he had no sin. It says then, uh, the second part of verse 25, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. You see, God just can't sweep sin under the rug. There has to be a payment. So either we accept Christ's payment for our sin, right, and we're forgiven and made right with God, or we will pay the penalty of sin ourselves uh, and be separated from God for all eternity. Uh, it's, it's, there's only two doors, door one, door two. Door one is choose Christ, repent of my sin, believe in him, receive his gift of forgiveness. Door two is, uh, I don't want to believe in that. I'm going to pay for penalty of my sin myself uh, forever. And, and that's it. Um, and so how, do you be, how are you made right with God? Put your faith in Christ. Believe on him. And so that's the first thing, right? Uh, are you ready to die? The first most important question is, have you been made right with God? It's either a yes or no question. Either you have put your faith in Christ or you have not, right? The fence sitter is on the side of, no, I'm not believing right yet, right? So the fence sitter is a no at that time. So uh, it's, it's a critical question. And I encourage you to put your faith in Christ, right? Um, the Word of God just says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so if you sense God working in your heart and, and calling you to himself and wanting you to believe in him, put your faith in him, do it today, right? Um, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's not a guilt trip. That's just a reality. That's it, a reality. Haman, like I said, I don't think he had any, he had no clue that would be his last day. And so, now, for believers, right, um, we need to ask ourselves, are we living our lives in light of eternity? In other words, it's not just about knowing Jesus, which is critical, right, and to be made right with God, but then living for him, living in light of eternity, living in light of the things that are going to last. You know, really, there's two things that are going to last. The word of God, which the word itself tells us, and people's souls, the word of God and people's souls. Those are the only two things that will last forever. 
And so we need to make our decisions and live our lives as believers in light of that. In light of that. So I want to take a look at I'm going to take a look at this verse here in Psalm 90, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Right? In other words, the, the person that has a heart of wisdom is someone that realizes their days are numbered and they want to make them count. And in God's economy, to make them count is to make the word of God and people's souls a priority. Right? Are we loving people well? Right? Are we, are we sharing our faith with those who we're not sure where they stand? Because that matters, right? They matter to God. And the Lord, you know, like we talk about divine, uh, divine sovereignty and human responsibility, he wants us to open our mouths and share the good news so that people can be made right with God, so they can live for God and glorify him. That's critical. And so uh, that's, that's chapter 7. That's Esther chapter 7. Those are the three questions I would ask those people and some lessons that we can learn from that. Um, let's just pray together here in closing this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, uh, again, um, just even the technology be, to be able to um, you know, gather at this time, even though in different locations um, through this live stream. Um, thank you also just for the opportunity for um, meeting here next week, um, taking precautions and so on. But regardless of how we, he- we gather, uh, Lord, we want you to be glorified through our lives. Uh, Father, we want to be ones who are courageous and, and step up and do the right things and say the right things. Um, we want to pursue justice. We want to also realize that in the end, justice will be done, uh, rights uh, um, Wrongs will be righted. Uh, People will be held to account by you, if not here in a court of justice. And so, Lord, uh, help us, God, to, to make our days count. Help us to be aware of our mortality and to realize that, you know, our mere 70, 80, 90 years here are nothing in comparison to eternity and to let us live our lives in light of what you value, God. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.